Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Welcome in. It's week 11. The Texans are back at home. They're hosting the Washington Commanders for their Salute to Service game kickoffs at noon. And uh, here we go. Taylor Heineke is coming off biggest one of the season. They knock off the previously undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on the road. Now they've got back-to-back road games. They want to keep that momentum going. They're 5-5, five and five, and everyone in that NFC East division is battling for a playoff spot. So it's going to be a tough matchup for the Texans. Don't let the record fool you. They are, like I said, 500 now. And Taylor Heineke and the Commanders dominated time of possession, 40 24 to 1936. So nearly double the time of possession over the Eagles. And uh, we saw Taylor Heineke take over. He started in week seven for Carson Wentz, who was ruled out with a fractured finger. He could come back as early as Sunday's game. He will not come back. Ron Rivera said that he's going to keep Taylor Heineke the starter. So what can we expect from this commander's team? I get into it with Anthony Armstrong, former Washington wide receiver, now co-host of the Believe podcast. We get right into it. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, stream Texans games on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and count on a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into it. Let's go behind enemy sidelines. We're talking Washington commanders for week 11. We're going behind enemy sidelines with former Washington wide receiver Anthony Armstrong, now a co-host on the Believe Commanders podcast. Anthony, welcome in. Have you recovered from the Monday night game that I think really caught the entire country by surprise? Oh, I'm still living. I'm still living live off of that one, DP. I'm <laughs> in a great mood. I mean, that one, usually you have to stay up late uh, and sometimes you get let down. That was a good reason to stay up late past my bedtime. Yeah, a big win. They defeat the undefeated, previously undefeated Eagles. I mean, you cover the team every single week. How surprised are you at the fact that Washington went in there, two touchdown underdogs, and were able to come out with the win on the road? I'm really not that surprised at all, simply because that was a different team than what Philly faced in week three. I mean, week three, you had Carson Wentz. You didn't have Brian Robinson. And frankly, you know, Carson hadn't settled into that offense. And no. So now when you had Taylor Heineke show up, there's a guy who's very seasoned in Scott Turner's offense. And you can see the way that the team responds to him being that quarterback. And that team has a different attitude with Brian Robinson carrying the ball as well. It's a totally different Washington team, much more dangerous now than they were in week three. Well, we saw Taylor Heineke back in Houston in 2017, very briefly. And now I'm watching the celebratory videos on the plane. He's wearing all the chains, all the necklaces, all the glasses, all the jewelry. The commanders have gone three and one with Heineke. And now with Carson Wentz possibly coming off of IR, has Heineke done enough to just really solidify himself as a starting quarterback here for the rest of the season? I think that he has, especially if you look at the fact that the entire NFC East does have a chance to make it into the playoffs. You have to give yourself a chance to to actually go for that. I mean, I'm a guy that says winning fixes all ails, right? So no need to try to lose and get up the up the up or down the draft board. Win some ball games. See what he can do. You can obviously see the way this team responds with him at quarterback. And if you heard Terry McLaurin's monologue after the game talking to Scott Van Pelt, I mean, 
he was going on for about 30, 45 seconds. And he, he did mention Carson Wentz. Uh, so he definitely said the right thing, but you could tell uh, how he feels about Taylor Heineke. And, and if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm listening to my captain. I'm listening to Terry McLaurin. I'm, I'm going to let four ride. I'm glad you brought up Terry McLaurin because I can see why he's happy. His usage, his numbers, everything's gone up with Heineke uh, in the lineup. He's emerged as just his favorite target. He's averaging 16 yards a catch. What does he do well as a top receiving threat? And did you see his usage change once Heineke was in the lineup? Oh, usage has definitely increased. The past four games with Taylor Heineke has been eight targets minimum per game. Uh, last game, he had 11 total. So that's definitely been a huge usage. He only had that happen one time uh, earlier in the season, and he's had two 100-yard games with Taylor Heineke uh, under center. So I know he's enjoying that. But the thing that I like the most about Terry McLaurin is he's extremely humble and he's patient. Yeah, you hear a lot about receivers being divas and they want to get the ball in their hands early and often. Earlier in the season, he didn't touch the ball early. And a lot of times he had to make a late catch and he showed up as if he was getting the ball all throughout the game. And basically having to suffer through that, for lack of a better word, he's deserving this moment to show up and get the ball early and often and make an impact with this team. Uh, it really opens up the offense and makes it easier on everybody else on the field. Well, that uh, commander's offense, I mean, they just dominated in that Monday night game. I felt like every time I looked at the TV, it was the commander's offense on the field. We didn't see much of Jalen Hurts and and Philly's offense. And a big part of that was just what they were able to do on the ground. We saw Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson get a rushing touchdown. They also had Curtis Samuel getting carries. It seems like there's wide receivers playing running back, running backs playing wide receivers. Uh, you know, what's the toughest part for opposing defenses when facing that commander's offense and all these skill players? You know, I think that the versatility that comes with uh, Washington's offense is what's going to give any defense, you know, trouble. You talk about receivers playing running back. Antonio Gibson was a college receiver. And then you flip vice versa that Curtis Samuel was a running back initially when he got to Ohio State. So being able to run routes from the backfield creates a lot of different matchups. It allows Scott Turner to get extremely creative and find different ways to get guys into spaces. I mean, you have linebackers that, that have to cover people that were former receivers. So it just puts a lot of strain on defenses and you can't sit back and, and rely on the old school tactics of, Hey, just go hit the guy carrying the ball. Cause that guy might run a route, might run an option route and your know, RPOs. And there's just so much creativity nowadays that guys have to be way more versatile in how they can move around, play in the run and try to play the pass. All right. That defense is allowed just 17.3 points per game during the last four games. So What's been the key for that front to get so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks? And that's been all without Chase Young so far as well. You know, I, I feel like once they parted ways with their, you know, Sam Mills uh, Jr., he was the defensive line coach. They brought Ryan Kaharigan in, elevated Scott uh, Scanina. That, that defensive line has really just grown and elevated throughout the season. They're anchored by John Allen and Deron Payne. Those two guys cause so much havoc up front, and it allows those other, the other guys, F.E. Obadas and, and just uh, the, the Ridgeways that have come in, those guys can just work as one total unit. Montez Sweat, a name that you forget. Uh, with so many people out here, you don't even have Chase Young. You mentioned that, and he, he could show back up. And with him coming back into the, into the fold, it, it could be dangerous. It could be very dangerous. I mean, the unit's really, really performing well. They've been the, the, the foundation of that defense, the really stronghold uh, that sets the tone for what that defense wants to do. All right, Chase Young. I mean, we've seen the news that he could come back here in week 11 against the Texans. He hasn't played in about a year. So coming off an ACL injury when a guy hasn't played in that long, you know, what are your expectations for when he does come back? If he does come back against the Texans, would you expect he'd be on a snap count and, and, you know, how much rust could you expect from a guy like that? 
Yeah, I would expect a snap count. And I have to applaud the Washington training staff and coaching staff. They've handled injuries very well, uh, you know, now with Curtis Samuel and with Chase Young. I think they have those guys on the right path, taking their time to get them back on the field. Uh, but the first thing I'm paying attention to with Chase Young is just that first time of impact where he has to deal with, you know, a pulling guard or a tight end. I mean, they have a lot of, you know, uh, rules now that help protect defensive linemen's knees. So somebody's going to throw a block at him. And you can call it what it is. That's just how the league is. You're going to see, what do you think about your knee? Are you confident in it? Because if he's not confident in it, then there's going to be a lot of Damian Pierce that's going to run right over that side. Uh, and they don't want to have that happen with, uh, with Washington. So I think he'll be on a snap count. Uh, but I'm excited to see his explosiveness, trying to see, you know, how much speed does he have off the edge? Does he still have that reactiveness, that change of direction that makes him so dangerous? I mean, I think they should just give him another couple of weeks to rest. I mean, just like let him rest a little bit more and then just yeah. take his time coming back. It's not, a, it's not a problem to do that. I mean, that, that's not there's no there's not there's no reason to just say we need to him rush now. him back. Yeah. And then you have a bye week in week 14, you know, so. If, if Taylor's able to continue to put a couple of wins together, I think Washington can win these next two games. You know, maybe you don't need to throw Chase Young back out there. Give him a few more weeks, like you're saying. And yeah, then you have the built-in bye week, and now you have a fresh Chase Young heading into the end of the season. And that's something that's very dangerous. I like how you're thinking. I mean, I was just selfishly saying that so the Texans wouldn't have to see him in this first game back. <laughs> but as, as, a former, <laughs> as a former wide receiver yourself, I don't know if you've ever done this, but back-to-back -back games on the road going from Monday night and then a Sunday noon game. How tough is that for the players? I mean, do you, how do you manage recovery between two very quick games together and both on the road with all that travel in between? Well, you, you kind of have to lose a day on the front end and on the back end. Uh, and then there's, they're going to probably take an extra day out of the middle of the week. So you get a, it's almost similar to that, you know, Sunday to Thursday schedule that teams have. It's going to be a very truncated schedule. That's that ends up being a tough part because you're not. I say truncated schedule, truncated playbook. You know, maybe you don't get to add in as many wrinkles that you as you normally would. Uh, but there's a lot more mental reps. You know, hopefully at this part of the season, teams don't need a lot of physical to get out there and, and go through things physically. You should be able to sync up and say, hey, we ran this play before. We're going to run it again. Is everybody good? Let's walk through it. Those type of things. So coaches will be able to adjust, uh, but it shouldn't be that much of a problem. But you'll probably see more people's bread and butter. All right. It's coming up Sunday, Washington at Houston. Salute to service game. Appreciate the time. Former Washington wide receiver Anthony Armstrong. And you can listen to him on the Believe Commanders podcast. You can also follow him at Mr. Armstrong. 13 on Twitter. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Yes, indeed. Thank you, DP. Thanks for having me. Great insight from Anthony and the Texans and the Commanders. They're going to go at it Sunday at noon, noon kickoff here, Central Time. Can the Texans bounce back after that loss to the Giants as, uh, you know, that entire NFC East division is pretty formidable. So, we shall see. You can catch us on the pregame show because we've got a couple of new players that the Texans added to the roster, Eno Benjamin and uh, another wide receiver in Amari Rogers, who was waived by the Green Bay Packers. So Texans very active on the waiver wire this week. How much will we see those two new players? We're going to get into it on Texans Unlimited Live presented by Verizon. The pregame show starts an hour before kickoff, 11 a.m. on every digital platform, YouTube, um, HoustonTexans.com. Download the Houston Texans mobile app and you will get an alert as soon as we go live. So that's going to do it for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.